0: Folks, to Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm your host, Anthony Tyler, broadcasting here on the Fringe FM. To start out with, and I actually have, um, I think, a pretty diverse show for you today. I'm excited about it. Um, we're gonna talk about. There's gonna be a little bit of a segue, I guess, like a, a wrap up from last week. Talk a little bit more about enlightenment and the dark side of enlightenment and move that into a discussion of the Japanese death cult, Om Shinrikyo. It's a fascinating story. Other people have covered it. Uh, Um, know, it was such a big thing. It was, uh, it was almost like a Japanese nine 11 in the nineties. Uh, so it's not like it hasn't been covered and you can go find even podcasts that'll do like three hours worth of a, a play for play. um, and I even tipped uh, Joe Roop off to this, my buddy, uh, the host of Lighting the Void there. And he talked about this on his program a little bit recently, a, a bit of an overview of like what makes people tick, how do honest people get involved in cults, because these people aren't dummies. Uh, in fact, you'll find that a lot of them were really smart. And so you could go listen to that as well. What we're going to get into today, uh, it'll be a little bit of a brief play for play. We'll hit some highlights here and we'll go through a brief timeline and get into some of the nuance some of the considerations i think that aren't tossed around as much um not challenging any viewpoints per se but maybe digging deeper like what into some of the inner workings of this cult what their motivations were how this cult leader shoko asahara really got started and what his intentions were and you know the dark side of enlightenment is it possible that evil people could be enlightened? I don't know, but it's, 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 I think it's an interesting question because, as we talked about in the last episode, I don't buy a lot of enlightenment. And I think almost it's, uh, it's become a word. I don't think we should avoid it, but it's just become so outdated. I think that, uh, we're better off using better terms to explain the things we're talking about. Um, And not just outdated, but bastardized, really, and just torn apart. Um, So, but real quick, before we talk about any more of that, I have about seven or so minutes for you. Um, Most of you are familiar by now with good old Tippy Patson. He's a totally real person. Absolutely. I'm just never able to be in the same conversation with him because uh just scheduling things is purely the only thing. Um, so maybe we'll be able to do that one day. um <laughs> but he's been, um, for those that don't know, he is a bit of a redneck mystic, you know, a real Florida man who uh, has gone through uh, has who has gone to great lengths to um, try and explain how we can find American trucker culture throughout time and space um, in a variety of different ways, none of which really hold up, but like it's a bit entertaining to listen to. And he seems like a nice guy. And he's also, you know, ever since coming on this show, he's attracted a handful of other people to the Everglades where I forgot to mention, they're also hunting gators because they're convinced that they are the shape-shifting Illuminati reptilians and that this is where they go in their off time. And so some of these other people were trying to get on the show um, and they've all got these stupid, weird code names. Um, And one of these guys, his name is apex monsoon. And from what I understand, he's a pirate of some kind. I don't really know what all is going on out there, but um, you know, seeing as how we've sort of just opened Pandora's box on this already, I'm just going to keep taking uh, guests on and uh, um, uh, from this little group, and we'll see where it goes. And unfortunately, with this one, I was also just purely scheduling uh, reasons only. I was not able to interview Apex Monsoon. So I brought my friend and colleague, Martin Ferretti. Um, he's hosted uh, and done many different things. The most latest, the Alchemical Mind podcast. Uh, which he is on a hiatus from, but there's still a lot of good content if you're interested. And he also edited my book, Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology and Fortiana. So smart guy, and I think a guy who is um, capable of handling these kinds of odd interviews. So we'll see. I think he did pretty well. Let me know. And after that, we'll get into um, Om Shinrikyo and the Dark Side of Enlightenment. Hope you dig it. Get
1: creative. It is. Cut like up like that.
2: Cut like up like that. Cut like up like that. All right. Welcome to Black the Alchemy. On this episode is. Apex Monsoon, a uh, some kind of ghost pirate. I don't know. T- tell me a little bit about yourself, Apex. I'm a ghost
3: pirate, matey. I sail the seven cosmic seas and I'm bound by no ship.
2: Uh, OK, cool. So uh,
3: what, what are you here to tell us? I've been to the mind of God, matey. I've seen the depths of icy hell and I know what lurks. When
2: you walk the plank. Oh, oh, oh we, we definitely want to hear about the plank. But uh, how, how did you get inside the mind of God? Well, it's all of different sort of this and that, really.
3: But listen, I died in the year 1497, sailing the open seas. And ever since then, I've been I've been sailing straight into the gaping mouth of madness and and uh, doing all sorts of temporal portal things and traveling the dimensions. And I've come here to the Everglades. And um, I, uh, I've hung out. I've been hanging out with Tippy Patson. Uh,
2: first contact with Tippy, you say? Yeah. Arrgh, yeah I'm okay. a pirate. <laughs> Listen so, to me. Is that what you said or what Tippy said? That's what I'm saying to you. are am <laughs> no. a pirate? My my apologies. It's just the first time I've I've ever met a cosmic, ghost pirate, and so I, I just don't know how to react. Why are uh, you laughing is... at me? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm just I'm I'm flabbergasted uh, by by your presence. Uh, I, I've never had a chance to talk to a 600 year old ghost pirate from space. I I. I just don't know what to say. My apologies if you thought I was laughing at you. It's understandable, matey. I am quite mesmerizing. Yes, you're, you must be a hit with the ladies. I've got two eye patches, but it works out <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, cool. So, so you you sail the cosmos. I surf uh, the, come... <laughs> the, ne- the nebulas, matey. I've surfed the me. rings of Saturn
3: and slingshot my way through a wormhole. Just yeah, to find it... my way back on another pirate ship fifty billion years in the future. Whoa. What? Wait, what? You've you've been to the future. In yes, matey. I am a cosmic
2: pirate. What I did sail you see time future? as if it was a sea. Um oh wow. That's that's very poetic. You should uh you should get a, a write a book of poems. Pirate poems. I used all my paper. I ate it. <laughs> okay, well, you know, you're a cos- cosmic ghost pirate. You can uh, you can write in whatever you want. I've been trying to write through these dolphins.
3: <laughs> I decided I might try to get in the minds of these dolphins with my cosmic pirate powers. Arrgh! Arrgh! Yeah, uh, but I can't uh, uh, do it, matey. I'm a cosmic
2: uh, pirate. I can't even move, use my hands. <laughs> oh, oh! So you're you're like a, a real ghost yes like you don't have a physical shape i was eaten by a by a leviathan (laughs) from the sea
3: in the year 1490 whatever i said and ever since then (laughs) i've been a ghost but not bound by the earth or a spaceship
2: i am
3: a spaceship matey
2: (laughs) wait you're i'm so confused now you're actually you're a spaceship now like a, a well metaphorically people get speaking. Into. <laughs> oh, okay, of course, of course. How how is it that this wormhole dropped you right into the Everglades? It seems like a pretty random spot for a cosmic space pirate ghost ship like yourself. Uh, I don't know. It's a little <laughs> bit like Quantum Leap, that old show. Yeah. Yes,
3: and I just accept, um, entering into people's bodies. I just get thrown.
2: All about the cosmos, and I land on different pirate ships. <laughs> uh huh. what What's that experience like? Is this uh before you guys are hanging out with uh, Tippy and Silverback and everybody, or or is this like a legit thing that's going on? Well, you see, what they've done is they when
3: I was attracted to um the signature, the spiritual signature of the the ship, and so uh-huh. I went through the wormhole. I did another quantum leap, Scott Bakula style, matey. But I'm a pirate, I'm not Scott Bakula. <laughs> and when I found myself on the other side, uh-huh. I was in a little bottle. A pirate oh. ship bottle <laughs> yeah. inside the office of Tippy Patson. And I said, Wait, what? Yes. I. You- yes, he made his own pirate ship inside a bottle. And now I am tethered to that bottle like a genie.
2: Uh, uh, okay. okay, all right, yeah. So how how is it that we're uh, on this phone call right now? Uh Tippy just
3: put me up with this uh, Zoom thing here <laughs> oh, from from inside the bottle. Well, I can manifest outside the bottle, matey, like a genie. Uh,
2: oh, do you? And do you I can provide do three cool wishes. Things. Uh yeah, no, you... no, no, no. Uh, I Who do knows? other
3: cool things, like like um, I can tell you where
2: buried treasure is. <laughs> Arg. <laughs> um what what kind of treasure are we talking about here um the booty kind matey (laughs) Uh,
3: uh, i don't know if you know but most pirates on the open sea were very gay (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with
2: that no of course not of course not it's 2023 yes man there's 2023 yes correct holy shit (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong
3: I thought it was 1679. <laughs> oh,
2: is, is is there something you need to do in that year? No, I just really <laughs> lost track of time. <laughs> <Okay. Arrgh. Yeah. laughs> it, it, it's tough. I never learned how to read a watch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how do you tell time then? I can't
3: remember. Listen, <laughs> you sound ecstatic right now, like I've locked you into some sort of giggly trance.
2: Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're right. Are you sure Absolutely. you're taking me seriously? I, I take every guest on the show seriously. Good, sure. I was just checking.
3: All right, I've got to go clean my pirate ship. Well, if you will excuse me, I must be gone.
2: Yes. Yeah, sure. make, sure, make sure, sure you shine
3: your ball. I'm a pirate, matey. There are, there are you listeners, and don't forget to use protection. Ugh.
0: I'm not sure if that was a real ghost or just a man who has done way too many drugs or I don't know any variation of those possibilities, but an interesting conversation. Nonetheless, Apex Monsoon, everybody, he's a pirate um, and he sails the seven cosmic seas. Anyway, we'll hear more from Tippy and his cohorts before too long, I'm sure. Thanks to Martin for helping me out with this interview. Couldn't have done it without him, and he did a great job. All right, moving on. But before talking about Om Shinrikyo a bit more, I wanted to follow up last week's show with uh, some considerations of enlightenment because Om Shinrikyo, uh takes us to further considerations in the darkest extents, the most warped and Uh, As anybody listening to the show for any period of time knows, that is um, territory we like around here. Uh, And it gets wild. Um, You know, for anyone that's not quite familiar, Om Shinrikyo is, they basically did what some people call uh, the 9-11 of Japan uh, with sarin gas. And um, if it had worked... To the maximum extent, it would have killed thousands and thousands of people. Um, instead, it injured hundreds and killed like a dozen or something like that. Um, uh, but uh, and it all came from this this weird Buddhist, like infused with a a, a sort of off brand Scientology cult that amassed tens and tens of thousands of followers and had. You know, hundreds of thousands of people who knew the name Shoko Asahara, the the leader, and were familiar with him, and thought that he was very interesting and a cool guy. You know, just like the the actual cult members, tens of thousands. Not to mention just the random outer influence. Yeah, strange stuff. But uh, and 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 this guy, he he started out, you know, just peddling enlightenment. And so that's the worst extent. And there are, you know, I think reasonable people out there that also claim enlightenment. And who am I to say they're full of shit about their enlightenment? But if that's the case, then I don't think you really have to be a good person to be enlightened. I don't know for sure, but I think it's possible that you could be a very bad person or at least just a self-absorbed person. I don't think empathy is always a correlate. I think most often it is, but I don't think that um, it would necessarily always follow through in that way. And of course, there's going to be so many different explanations and definitions of enlightenment, especially in this sort of post-post era where people are just constantly trying to synthesize and reprioritize and reorganize um ancient terms essentially and you know it's not uncommon to see someone that's like a a quote-unquote renowned spiritual teacher that's done great work and they they've worked with a bunch of different people i just can't appreciate someone fully that is calling themselves you know an impactful spiritual teacher Um, That isn't a part of some sort of religious structure. Now, I'm not apologizing for religion, and I'm not saying that that isn't full of shit a lot of the time too. I'm just saying those are more entrenched definitions. So you could call a priest, you know, a renowned spiritual teacher, and it would just it just sort of fits the basic definition, depending on how big the church is and the area and things like that. So I, I at least. Understand, but someone that's going around freelance, just developing their own philosophies, calling themselves a renowned spiritual teacher. I write books, I do podcasts. You will never hear me call myself a renowned spiritual teacher. You will always hear me call myself a researcher. You know, at most, I might call myself a philosopher, uh, but even that, it's just almost sounds too pretentious, even if it is something that would fit. You know what? I, have, I didn't go to school for philosophy. I don't just terms are who cares? We're just talking and researching, and I, I don't understand the need that people have to cling to these things and to project these things. Because to me, if my point being, if you are using those kinds of labels, even if you aren't in it for nefarious reasons, you're kind of just ringing more like an altruistic L. Ron Hubbard. You know, it's all the same stratification and weird ladder climbing bullshit. I don't understand why people have to consider themselves like I'm not saying there's not a use for it, but it seems extremely played out, especially these days, the whole teacher-student thing. Like, why can't peers teach each other? What's what's so difficult and unrealistic about that? You know, I don't consider Um, anybody that listens to this show a fan of this show you're just a a fellow researcher you know some of us might research a little more than others maybe you just listen to this podcast and that's the extent of your research it's still something i wouldn't recommend using this podcast as your only source uh but you know you're branching out there a little bit um I can't imagine anyone only listens to this podcast. Like, where did you come from? How did you come across this and nothing else? What's your story? Uh, but I think that uh, enlightenment, it's it, it, its better to consider enlightening states. I think that there's a lot of people that reach glimpses of enlightenment. Um, they might even have facets of it in their lives. Maybe they are such an astounding painter that they seem to almost be enlightened as they paint, maybe not any in any other facet of their life, but in that moment, in those moments. you know. So I think that there's relevance to that, uh, but I think that the idea of achieving some sort of constant enlightenment is – I'm not going to say it's out of the question because its it, 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 it seems like it has to be at some sort of thing, but it's overblown. And it's something where you have to be very careful with the control methods. I trust someone that has retired to a monastery to meditate their entire lives more than I do someone that's posting about their steps to enlightenment on social media. Just makes a lot more sense to me. And then again, like if you didn't listen to the last episode, um, I'm not interested in enlightenment. What I'm interested in is therapy and catharsis so uh self-improvement overall enlightenment to me seems like this fashion model standard of beauty but applied to spirituality especially these days since the terms have been around for so long um someone claiming enlightenment falls in that woo category to me immediately and then they have to prove themselves otherwise it's that same woo category of people claiming that um they have a super special an extra special connection with god and they've been they have some sort of extra special insight to extraterrestrial uh goings on you know maybe they were our contactee and they're, they're through their automatic writing they're giving us messages like all these things enlightenment seems that far-fetched to me um not because it's not possible and in fact enlightenment just as a basic uh, neurological function, which um, you know I'll get into a tiny bit before we move on to Om Shinrikyo, but it it makes it it seems a lot more likely than those other two. But still, so overall, it seems like enlightenment, as I said before, is some sort of spiritual permanence. It's not special powers. Um, I don't even know if it's freedom from some sort of in- reincarnation cycle. Um, And I'm not convinced that it's entirely altruistic all the time. But it seems like it's an update of our neurological patterns and um our capacity to update and work with uh, the worlds within us and around us. And I know it's reductionist, but we have to start with the bare bones of definitions and then work our way outward in order to make this, you know, bring the pull this out of folklore and mythology okay so uh one thing that uh shoko asahara the founder and leader of the Omshin shinrikyo japanese death cult he was all about enlightenment and he started so this (laughs) from an early age I'm, we're just going to talk about this a little bit. There's a lot of details out there about this group because they were so devastating uh, to the Japanese culture. You know, these were people that before these attacks, Japan largely trusted. Um, and even the government, because they, because of their past, they were at this point in their history, you know, scared to step on toes when it came to religious freedom. Uh, they pretty much were waiting to see a red hand and a smoking gun, like all at once, before they could really even act on this on this whole Om Shinrikyo thing. So it was a weird time in history, and this was just you know this is the 80s and 90s, so it wasn't that long ago. Uh, but uh, the most notable thing about um, when Shoko Asahara became his his uh cult leader name he was born chizuo matsumo but we'll refer to him as asahara uh but he when he was young so he was partially blind like he was pretty blind but he could still see blobs he needed thick glasses um and apparently his parents helped him get into a school for the blind at a young age where he just lots of records about it learned to manipulate and abuse you know, in like a bully way, um, like, you know, extorting them for money and candy and whatever else and favors. He just he just tried to run the place because he was one of the only ones, if the not the only one that could see anything. So he he started out having this weird insecurity and need to just lord over people. And he seemed to exercise that inclination at an early age. And as always with these kinds of people, you wonder how much they believed their own bullshit. I don't know. This guy potentially believed his own bullshit, but only a little bit. Some of these people that believe their own bullshit will go so far as to fake things and say, well, I know that I'm the real deal. So if I fake this and I fool people in this way, it's okay because they're still coming to the real deal. I think that's what was going on with this guy a lot of the time, but he probably just abandoned it altogether at one point. I feel like, because this story is so outlandish. Um, It's true. Supervillain. Imagine if Al Qaeda started making a bunch of meth and LSD and then taking all of that um, as well as selling it and um, you know, incorporating like anime and, you know just really outlier stuff and and then started coming and fucking with us. that that's very similar to what this was like. Um, and it started. this guy started um writing like books and selling fake tinctures and stuff, um and promoting himself in these like, you know, the kinds of newspapers, like weekly world news where you can find. Uh, UFOs and aliens and all these ridiculous stories. And every once in a while, you actually might find an interesting story, but a lot of the, the vast majority of the time is just, it it, it blows anybody's mind that it's even printed. Um, so he puts himself in these kinds of magazines and mind you, this is an important part in Japanese culture. Uh, the, the juncture they're at at this time is has left a vacuum in the parenting uh, because especially specifically in the father archetype, you know, because he has been working in this Japanese industrial boom after the events of world war II. history shows that the Japanese went full bore into industry, you know, even more than they already had. And, you know, to, to produce the due fruits of their labor that we can see even to this day, but that said, there were people having to work these hours, and for an entire generation, more than one in this cluster, fathers were largely absent. You know, just making money and um, doing, you know, the honorable thing, providing for their family, but also not being there, unfortunately, because you know it's all about a special brand of honor around there. This guy even talked about, in some of the stuff he wrote, he talked about some of his enlightenment techniques through masturbation. It, this guy was making good money. He was he was making a name for himself as this, this up-and-coming spiritual teacher. And this guy said, in order to gain supernatural enlightened powers, um, one way to do this was, so you basically, you masturbate. And then uh, you do that once a day every week. And then the next week, you do that twice a day every week or the next week you do that twice a day every day for the second week and then the third week you do that three times a day every day for the whole week and then you keep doing that up to 6 weeks and you don't <laughs> you don't finish um you just keep edging yourself i guess uh and then you go and uh go out on a date hopefully with some with a woman that's already aware of what's going on cuz i can't imagine that um, you're gonna get lucky on the first try being this pent up. It usually just doesn't work that way. Um, so and then when you're after the date, when you're ready to have sex, you um basically do like a ta- a, a, a ripoff tantric thing where you're just also not finishing, and you just do a ridiculous amount of starting and stopping and counting and you go through cycles i won't get into a lot of detail but then eventually you're supposed to have an out-of-body experience and th- people were interested in this stuff and apparently in this out-of-body experience you're supposed to be bestowed supernatural powers like this guy peddled a bunch of supernatural powers like be better at the lottery read people's minds levitate he he put uh, a picture oftentimes in those magazine articles that he put out there, or ads, I guess, better put, um, of himself levitating. But he's really just getting a picture of himself hopping up in the air in the meditative position. It's just a picture. I know some of you out there remember this, especially more like the earlier days of the internet. You know, not the '80s. I'm talking about like the internet as we know it now, like '90s, early 2000s when there was a lot of more print around than there is now Um, there would, there would be these pictures every once in a while of monks doing incredible things. Where did this come from? Could this be real? And sometimes you'd see it in some obscure researcher slideshows. What is going on here? Um, This guy, he was one of those pictures. He was one of those people in the mix. And he talked a lot about Buddhism and like tantric Buddhism. That's how he sold people on, masturbation magic Aleister crowley did the same thing and it's ridiculous how many people somehow get sold on the idea that doing drugs and masturbating can somehow be some sort of powerful magic reasonable people too will get sold on these kinds of ideas so anyway it's interesting that out of like the tens and ten, like the, this, he had tens of thousands of followers um the vast majority of them were all in Japan. And then somehow he ended up getting this strong Russian offshoot, but there wasn't even like 50 people in America that were interested in this guy. And I, so I think, uh, the relevance, it's interesting that he had, um, the, the government was tiptoeing around him so much and it makes sense with the time period too. I don't think that there was like, this guy was working for the government or anything. Although I don't know, I'm, I've never looked into it. Um, but um and there was also such a rift in the japanese culture where people were looking for something um that could fill the void the 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 socio-cultural void that uh, they were all feeling from this industrial boom that sort of left everything else on the burner and as i said in the last episode i think you can it's easier to show people the beginning stages of some sort of Liberation or just catharsis and therapy. Um, and then a lot of people, all they need to see is initial proof of like, oh, here's some sort of forward progress. And then they kind of just throw themselves into it from there. Um, and I think that's how a lot of smart people get sold on these things. And there was uh, sex involved. As the cults, uh, as this cult, uh, Om Shinrikyo in particular gets bigger, um, there are, you know, there was who is it? The children of God, that American cult. Um, they, they the, the term was flirty fishing where they would lure people into the cult with promiscuous women that were doing it, you know, at the cult's behest. So like, it was all it was strange only in a cult. Are you going to see that kind of stuff really? Um, but So they did some of that here as well, but as things got better, so this guy was obsessed with like the doomsday, um, and he he was he was getting on like talk shows and things. <clears throat> this guy was considered, you know, I don't know if there's even an equivalent in um our recent Western culture, but uh, imagine if like um, there was some sort of like Chris Angel mind freak was uh doing regular guest spots on like tonight shows or day shows. and you know, maybe not the biggest ones but in some cases they were the biggest ones like they were legitimate journalists from large uh media outlets that were very familiar with this guy so he uh, on a general level at least of being just a public figure that was uh benevolent he had pretty much won over everybody in japan mm-hmm. meanwhile He's amassing this cult and he's got a few different things. This is where things start to get really dark and these things start boiling. Um, and there's an undercurrent the whole time, but where things really sort of spin off the axis is Shoko Asahara decides to make a a really big push into Japanese politics. Now he has people um, that are in a crazy way like, you know, he, he has doctors, he has um engineers, you know, he has people who have formerly worked for the military, and he's got um artists and so many different people. Um this is a this is a cult with prestige, this is like like Scientology level, like except minus the the stars and plus the the blue-collar people. The genius blue-collar people who were running the country, almost in like a fight club way, which is fucking wild to think about. And he's trying to make a push into politics now. And he has a whole bunch of different candidates. None of them go anywhere. And he's got this whole idea that he can rule Japan and become the enlightened Buddha of the world eventually and put Buddhas in all these different parts of the world. And all of this is insane. I mean, hes it, it's not even like he's doing it out of the um, the good nature of his heart. This guy's so far in at this point. This is years in. This guy is banging whoever he wants to in his cult. He's torturing people. He's killing people who um, are in his inner circle that are trying to back out. There were numerous people who were murdered throughout this period. With, um, for either leaving or trying to out um, Shoko Asahara and the Omshin Shinrikyo cult to the press. These people were very serious. And how he had sold them, so he he lures people in with all this stuff. He incorporates pop culture references. He, you know, Buddhism. He has a similar uh, structural system to like a Scientology thing. Um. He's pumping people full of drugs. He's getting his cult to make drugs so that they could sell them on the black market and make money. He's um, g- he's stashing like a militia's worth of weapons. This isn't just Waco, Texas. This guy is assembling a small army. And he's even trying to develop ways to make his own weapons. He's trying to uh, make – and these compounds are huge. They're fucking huge. Look at pictures of them online. Um, this these people were not fucking around. Um, they're trying to make um um they're trying to have biochemical weapon laboratories. They do, in fact, they're not just trying, they successfully do. And not only do that, they have weapons manufacturing and um you know, very hard drug manufacturing. And how he sells these people. To start murdering and going deeper down the death cult rabbit hole is by convincing them that through torture they will ascend and enlighten faster. In the same way that you know you hear about um, certain like sects of Catholic priests, especially back in the medieval times, just flogging themselves, you know, just ripping into their back. Shoko Asahara says, if you let me do all these kinds of things to you, you will become closer to Buddhahood. And um, yeah, talk about the dark side of enlightenment. But you know what? I'm going to jump into a little bit of a commercial break. We're at the half hour mark here on the Fringe FM. So stick with me. We'll bump some music, toss in some sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk a little more about the Om Shinriki of death cult and the dark side of enlightenment. the light.
1: rain clouds over the hills, Sunday blocking it out. Water flows like the scales and opponents to drown. Drones down, clones shoot from the crowds. Staking down, no movement allowed. They moving foul and they doing it now. Sewer style, spit it gutter for miles. No smiles, ski mask and start jumping the aisles. Cash be dumping in pals, money's curse. Seems to got a revolution reverse. Souls be switching at birth. Listen in the wind, it's written the ascension of Earth. On a multi dimensional search, Omega hertz come correctly. They poison y'all through the Nestle. of steady, dropping knowledge on them heavy. Times change, gotta adapt to be the fine prey. Mental lab running run a lap inside its mind game. I'm in touch with the ley lines, they cut from the same gold fabric, and we ain't sold from the same twine. When it's over, that's my break time. Soldier until then, I grow older, shoulder strong as the weight climb. The stakes high as ever, but head the Kaisers who decide the weather like the fire and the mighty i Lights ammo. flicker when I step on the scene. Super extra mean to set up the punchline the breath in between. I'm the crystals from the chronic when it slip through the screen. Categorically I'm man and machine from the land of the greed. In battle warriors repel the regime. A contradiction where you pay to be free. The hatred leaks it seems they chain your feet every day of the week. The rich and the poor, the brave and the weak. Raised in the streets, learn to eat. Now we switching they math. Spit the facts on aristocrats. Twisting Fist the wrath uh, with an iron expel. Lion of Zion, free your minds from the spell. The times change, gotta adapt to be the fine prey. Mental lap, running run a inside his mind game. I'm in touch with the ley lines, they cut from the same gold fabric, and we ain't sold from the same twine. When it's over, that's my break time. Soldier until then, I grow older, shoulder strong as the weight climb. The stakes high as ever, but the Kaisers who decide the weather like
4: the to make the thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, bigfoot and more. Their stories need to be told and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at imdarkwaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at imdarkwaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dogman Murder in Hurricane Ida. Even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana water demon stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. That's imdarkwaters.com.
1: The Natural Born Alchemist podcast is a podcast that covers topics like alchemy, shamanism, psychedelics, anarchism and philosophy. Join Alex, that's me, and a multitude of guests on a quest to discover the nature of reality, of spirit and of consciousness. Each episode will also introduce you to new music that you might never have heard before. You can find the podcast on most platforms. Simply search for Natural Born Alchemist or go directly to naturalbornalchemist.com. There you'll be able to find all the social media links as well. Freedom is in the mind.
2: Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com.
4: Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM.
0: black hoodie alchemy we're talking about the um shinrikyo japanese death cult on the dark side of enlightenment here on the fringe fm and you know in this weird way this reminds me a little bit of teal swan now i'm going to give teal swan her credit she is not a terrorist I just, I think she's scary and I don't think people should trust her, you know, go watch that deep end documentary. It's creepy as fuck. But it's when you look into the inner circle, that's when things are especially weird with Teal Swan. And then in the outer circle where she's giving lectures and sermons and doing tours to talk to people who've read her books, she might be giving dubious, even harmful advice. Uh, but those people, you know, they're not the ones who are going to be, once uh, once the noses hit the grindstone, they're not going to be the ones manufacturing uh biochemical weapons and methamphetamine, you know, to sell to the Yakuza. Th- those are just people that are popping in on a lecture. And so there was a, a whole lot of people who were just popping in on Shoko Asahara, you know, Culturally speaking, so there is the idea in Buddhism, and I'm sure you can find it in other places. I just mentioned that um, this sentiment is even found in, you know, certain, especially certain historical periods of uh, Catholicism with the flogging and whatnot. But the idea of the more pain you might endure and work through the more of at least an opportunity you might have to work through more karmas and get closer to um, an enlightenment, if you will. Or at least a, a stage of enlightenment, pieces of enlightenment. Or at the very least, catharsis and therapy. And there's something to that. The, the whole rite of passage thing so uh, more often than not what defines a rite of passage in a culture is putting you know a child that's about to become an adult through a contained trauma something that is controlled it's 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 thought uh you know it's it's somewhat calculated um and it might be perilous especially like the further back you go but usually more often than not, it's perilous in specific ways that are meant to catalyze something in you, not meant to actually potentially kill you, you know, not unless it's Sparta or an equivalent thereof. But what none of that means is that you should allow someone to just torture you. Uh, This guy would do it so that you can reach enlightenment faster. This guy would dunk people, you know, he would like water torture people he would electrocute them he would slice them up he would do all sorts of things and some people died because of the outright torture and there seemed to be no particular fucking reason for him doing this uh, other than just wanting to and there was a whole lot of LSD involved in this jim jones loved amphetamines he actually wore glasses because his eyes were constantly bloodshot from his amphetamine usage sunglasses um shoko asahara did that much lsd he was just constantly a head full of acid and there was also a lot of amphetamines going around and yes these guys actually did sell drugs and masks to the yakuza (laughs) this shit is crazy and they tried to develop different chemical weapons like they tried to work with uh refined um botulism um and different things but uh these guys weren't they weren't like chemical biologists or anything. A lot of the people he had working on this stuff were engineers. A lot of them structural engineers, but they taught themselves chemistry. They taught themselves how to um make all these drugs and make all these terrifying chemical weapons. And they were making it dirty. They, you know, they couldn't make it pure, but man, they were really doing it. And uh <sighs> I don't know how it was very impressive. Um, But there was a lot of pressure put on them because once Shoko Asahara realized that he was not going to be able to take over the world like he thought, he realized he was going to have to ramp up the whole uh, death cult element. And he was going to have to not only be torturing the people in his inner circle, but he was going to have to continue, you know, he's going to have to up the amps and start really torturing everybody uh so that the whole world could be purified real supervillain shit true supervillain shit and i can't believe th- th- this stuff it happens it happens and i i think that certain cult leaders even if they don't believe their own bullshit similar to jim jones where he started out Um, fairly altruistic and you know had the backing of now that is like some real mad supervillain shit in real life too this culminated in like the mid 90s with the sarin gas attacks and this man was accepted in the culture this is the only example i can think of where a cult leader made it this far you know i see shades of the whole lori vallow thing where she was doing her podcast and her you know secret boyfriend was this guy chad daybell who was you know leading mormon lectures and do and had a bunch of books out and he also had a weird like scientological ranking system of people's souls and how spiritually enlightened they were and ended up twisting it in the same way just different terms, saying that in order to free these people from the demons, the demonic influence around them, we have to kill them and sacrifice them, essentially. And that's what she ended up doing with her children. And there was that big national search for the children that I'm sure a lot of you, at the very least, are vaguely familiar with that part of the story. And she just kept telling people, don't worry, they're fine, they're fine. And the whole time, they were buried in her backyard in what Seems to amount to something like a ritual sacrifice of her children. And these people, generally speaking, were doing the same kinds of things that I'm doing and the same kinds of things that my peers are doing, you know, researching, putting things out there and talking about it. So you got to be careful. And at every single time um, that someone is ramping up into that nefarious territory they're always trying to garner the trust they're always saying trust me you know lean on me look to me for insight you'll never catch me saying those things we're peers and you know two things maybe they don't all start out bad And then they just really, after they've proven, they've just amassed so much of whatever they were looking for, influence and power and whatever else, they start then to believe their own bullshit. And then they start to think, well, why not do whatever I want? Maybe whatever is in my head should be done, because that seems to be what's happened so far. And then then they seem to cash in on all the good nature, however two-faced it was they cash in on that good nature and then everything flips and then things get really hairy and the other thing is how do you get at least enough people to flip with you when the time comes you target their empathy you get you you have to you have to flip empathy on its head and you have to convince people that harming themselves and others is a way to you know, purge themselves of their lesser qualities. You get that whole purge element in there, you know, and we'll rise from the ashes like a phoenix. And that's why we we put all this sarin gas on these subways and kill thousands and thousands and thousands of people because we're saving them all in the long run. All these people will be better off for it. They'll be closer to enlightenment for it. It's basically the same thing that the the English and I don't know what you call them proto Americans the the colonists. um, It's the same concept. It's what they did to the natives. Like, oh, we're doing these people a favor by indoctrinating them. Really creepy. There's something to be said for the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's genuinely really creepy, and so in the end shoko asahara ramps it up to the sarin gas attacks and what they do is they run drills on this and they get this down to as much of a science as possible and i think this was only like a third sarin it was pretty dirty uh but it was still going to be enough of a concentration to kill thousands of people maybe not tens or hundreds but it would kill thousands if enacted properly and so they had all these people secret agent style go with briefcases i believe it was backpacks and um break the uh the seals and do the proper mixtures and whatever the fuck they were doing and they dumped them in um and then they dumped them in trash bins on the subways and just let people die in there and thankfully um, not only was it so polluted, the sarin, but there were some mishaps with the firing and whatnot. But like I said, people did die, and a whole lot more were injured. And it was a there was a massive cultural fallout in Japan because they were not only rocked um, infrastructurally, you know, they had to rethink a lot of this uh, domestic terrorism situation in in their own homes. But a lot of the spiritual influence had just been ripped out from under him and completely flipped on its head. And so eventually, most eventually, these people were caught, including Shoko Asahara. And he spent over 10 years in a state in prison, um, a state of complete vegetation. He did not feed himself. He did not use the bathroom himself. He did nothing. So, and then they uh, they hanged him, as they do um, for death row in Japan, for most people, apparently. I don't know what that says about the guy, but it doesn't say anything good. He really just gave up for a long time. He was really committed. Maybe that's what we could say about the guy. He was really committed to whatever he was doing, whether it be picking on blind children or torturing wannabe Buddhists or becoming a vegetable man. I don't know. I think these are all worthy reasons to consider shying away from enlightenment. Who needs enlightenment? I think it's best to just consider enlightening aspects of your life and to just sort of look at a continuum of self-betterment and self-improvement. And then maybe one day you will be enlightened. You just won't really know it. And who cares? But I don't think there's one set way to do it. I think probably the most direct route is going to a monastery and meditating. But I'm also a bit of like a naturalist mystic as well. and I think that life can be enlightening, and I think that there can be different walks of life that can be enlightening. So who's to say, you know, in the long run, I will hang my hat on a Plato's old phrase that I like to reiterate, you know, those who are fit to rule or lead usually do not, and those that are unfit usually do, and there are exceptions to that rule. But um, I think Enlightenment, I think the same can be said of Enlightenment. But was Shoko Asahara enlightened? Could he be an evil man and be enlightened? Theoretically, I really don't actually think so in this case. He seemed like a real grade A douchebag with a lot of insecurities. But maybe theoretically, right? That's kind of... Isn't that sort of an archetype, like the mad evil scientist? It's kind of a Faustian thing almost where someone dedicates their whole life to their scientific pursuits. And then they make a deal with the devil in order to gain some sort of supernatural power or equivalent thereof in order to sort of squeeze the life they can out of the rest of the years they have and catch up on the things they missed. I don't know. Was Faust enlightened? I don't think so. No, not in that story. Certainly Faust wasn't. But maybe, maybe someone could be deeply flawed and still enlightened. Maybe I'm wrong on that, though. Hopefully I'm wrong on that. Because otherwise it's just way more complicated. But like I said, it's food for thought. Hey, all I'm saying is just maybe we stop using the term enlightenment. I understand if it's like a religious thing where that's just the traditional term and you don't want to mince words, but maybe we shy away from that and start using different terms and framing things differently because words are powerful and we need to start finding ways to weed out uh, the the really suspect people here uh, because enlightenment has just become I think that uh, people should rightfully be jaded about the idea. And again, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but we need to reframe this. And I'm not saying I have the answers there. I'm just saying be wary because, because of what dear Plato said. Just be wary. And I think that ultimately, even if someone is enlightened, if they're bragging about it, they're a douche either way maybe they are enlightened but they're a douche it's one thing if you ask someone in confidence and they tell you yes like maybe a monk would or something or you know potentially a a non-monk person (laughs) but you know what i mean and that that's one thing but to to go around and boast about it you still could be cool i'm not saying you have to be completely silent about it there's one way to do it and i'm sure There are people out there that do it right. But again, as I said in the last episode, I'd really like to see the further control methods and the uh, theoretical statistics. Like how many people are quote-unquote enlightened out there? The world may never know. Food for thought. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope this was kind of fun and not too dark. But seriously, just keep your eyes peeled out there. Um, Kill your idols. Make sure they're not physical. at the very least and uh, tune in next week to Black Hoodie Alchemy here on the Fringe FM Um, thanks for tuning in I really appreciate it it's uh, like I've always said even though I'm not hearing anything back I do consider this a sort of dialogue and uh, it wouldn't be long without you we'll see you next week peace